Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time to step inside the Octagon with your host, Ike Feldman. Yo, what's up, everybody? Like the liner said, it's your host, Ike Feldman, I-K-E-T-A-G-O-N dot com. What's, every- what's up, everybody? So the production is starting to ramp it up. I don't know if you guys noticed, but those weren't my pipes speaking at the beginning of this little snippet episode this little trailer you might say but that is my boy paul turner again if you have not heard it's time to step inside the octagon listen with your host ike feldman did you hydrate oh that's that's something completely different i haven't unveiled it yet so guys have a lot going on behind the scenes personally and career-wise uh right now behind the scenes literally in front of me you might uh hear my boy rio sniffing at some point uh it was actually pretty funny uh the last time i was outside you could hear all the crickets blaring over the iphone microphone and uh my dog uh his domain is outside i was in his lion's den if you'd like to say and he was jumping all over my lap and i was trying to distract him he was literally nose in my mouth while i'm trying to record and he's just sniffing away and i'm I'm throwing whatever i have near me to get him to go chase it but my boy rio is present he is here and you might hear him so get over it i still haven't seen mortal kombat and uh, yes, this is combat sports related. It's modal combat sports related. Um, I have not seen the HBO Max exclusive uh, release for Modal Combat. I've been meaning to. I, I wasn't really sold on the trailer. It didn't seem like it seemed like they were trying to avoid CGI, but it seems like some of the choreography was, I don't know. Uh, not up to par with, say, a John Wick, my boy Keanu Reeves, who we all know would be uh, a better Scorpion. Get over here, dude. It would, anything Keanu does, uh, does involving martial arts is freaking amazing. The Matrix is my favorite movie series or trilogy series. And uh, Keanu Reeves kicks ass in that and kicks ass in the first John Wick more than the other John Wicks, but he kicks ass in all the John Wicks. And he's trained in Sambo. If you follow closely in the third one, he walks behind the ballet theater scene into the back anals of the Russian ballet theater. And you see these young men training with kimono aka gi tops and sport mma short bottom halves and wrestling shoes that my friend is called combat sambo and they're doing judo throws in the john wick chapter three scene if you remember what i'm talking about but yeah it's uh great movies and one more note on the sambo uh Sambo is a Russian-based martial arts sport, which is as close as you can get to a singular martial art being uh, mixed martial arts. Sambo involves striking, wrestling, submissions, throws uh, in a gi top. So it's it's pretty awesome with MMA gloves and with headgear and shin guards. So it's pretty cool. Fedor Emelianenko or Fyodor is... Uh, 
one of the greatest Sambo champions of all time that you guys would know, Andre Arvlasky, another Russian, and Khabib Nurmagomedov. All three are Sambo champions. And uh, go look up their film. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool sport. And it, it would make sense for it to be a, an Olympic sport. So go check out Combat Sambo. It's pretty freaking awesome. But anyway, I have not seen Mortal Kombat. I will. Uh, I will. I sound spoiled, but I have a lot to get to content-wise. I'm, uh, I am spoiling myself. Uh, materialistically... And uh, uh, content consumption-wise, I'm buying a whole new wardrobe to fit my beach scene, bro. And uh, uh, that's my impression of the turtle from Finding Nemo. And I'm also sitting down, taking it easy, and uh, consuming content that is martial arts related <laughs> whether it's martial art movies um or martial art documentaries uh, i'm still staying sharp in the martial arts world even though I'm, I'm taking it easy and laying back i'm telling you guys martial arts is my career passion and uh i, I try to live my life like a modern day samurai if that if you can figure out what that means, please explain it to me and then we'll be on the same page. But I, I like the sound of it. Modern day samurai. And I'm learning that not all samurai were clean cut and. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> people that you totally want in your corner. Uh, the samurai I want to be is somebody who is cool, laid back, but fierce and uh very good martial artists so again samurai is like anniversary the word anniversary there could be a bad anniversary there could be a good anniversary anniversary has no direct emotional connotation uh, connected to it besides it being a gathering of a crowd to commemorate something sad or happy uh yeah so it's your boy ike feldman the modern day samurai and uh this episode i want to talk about well i've already been talking right but i want to focus on brendan Schaub. have you guys heard of him he is a podcast host, a stand-up comedian, a broadcaster, a fast-rising star in pop culture. And on top of all that, he is a martial artist, a successful martial artist who found success in one of the scariest sports of all time, being a heavyweight mixed martial artist inside the UFC. And that involves standoffs, pocket boxings, toe-to-toe, uh, -to -toe, throwing down, nobody stepping out of the tire, craziness. The heavyweight division, few and far in between, you're going to find elite grapplers and people who avoid heavy damage, maybe a, Fabri a Fabricio Verdum or a Daniel Cormier, both having huge credentials in the grappling department, but often... MMA heavyweight means knockout or boring standoff and in which people forgot to bring their bullets. But Brendan Schaub, I respect the hell out of him, not only for his broadcast uh, career, but for his martial arts career. And uh, he comes from one of my favorite Ultimate Fighter seasons, season 10 with Kimbo Slice, with Roy Nelson, uh, Matt Mitrione, uh McSweeney. Uh funny guy, Marcus. Uh who else was in that season? Matt Mitrione. Uh yeah, Shab. Uh 
and the hosts of that season 10 were some of my favorite fighters. Quentin Rampage Jackson, one of my favorite interviews. Rashad Evans, one of my favorite interviews, both extremely receptive to my style and my questions and my humor. So uh, much respect to them. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a phenomenal uh, season that they put on. I, I, the fight was back and forth with Quentin and Rashad. Uh, Quentin landed, I believe it was a check hook. I don't think it was a clean cross. I, I believe it was like a check hook that caught Rashad on the chin in the third round. And it was only three round main events. And it, it turned out, I think that was one of the last three round main events in uh, UFC history. I'd have to look that up, but yeah, it was a fun fight. Rashad did not engage in a firefight. As I mentioned, the UFC heavyweights often engage in firefights, but Rashad at that point was a UFC light heavyweight, light heavyweight, and he incorporated his awesome Michigan wrestling and his black belt jujitsu to oppress Quentin Rampage's offense. and. I wanted Rashad to win that fight. I think Quentin was kind of off the rate, uh, off the rails. I was about to say on a rampage. He was on that season. I think it was kind of scary. And Rashad showed that he can be a calm, cool, collective, clear-headed, concise mixed martial artist and avoid all the fanfare in which Quentin Rampage put on for the Spike TV audience. So a lot of nostalgia already in this podcast. I didn't even mention that the only Mortal Kombat that I've only watched was from the 1995 version. I had a somehow a version of the movie that was directly from the supplier. And it said at the bottom of the movie, this is the 90s. I'm like eight years old. I'm sitting at the bottom. Uh, this is a store copy. You must return. Like every 10 minutes, it was scrolling across the bottom. Like, get out of my way. I'm trying to see what Sub-Zero is about to do. But yeah, that was, uh, <laughs> I enjoyed that movie. So I don't know if it's going to live up to my uh, expectations, the new Mortal Kombat, but we will see. So anyway, I respect martial arts. I respect Brendan Schaub, but every now and then, Every one of us are allowed to be wrong. And that's all right. Think about it. Who's right 100% of the time besides my wife? Seriously, who is right 100% of the time besides my father? Seriously, if can you think of one person who is right 100% of the time besides Dana White? Can you think of anybody in this world who is right 100 not 99, not 98, not 75% of the time. Who is right 100% of the time? Conor McGregor. No, can you think of anybody? No, there's nobody in this world who is right 100% of the time, even if they believe they're correct and their righteous self think they're 100% right 100% of the time. Brendan Schaub is allowed to be wrong every now and then. And he is wrong about this take. Kamar Usman's the best welterweight of all time. You just got to look at it like this. And I keep telling you guys, this, especially in, in 2021, the level of difficulty that Kamar Usman is facing is so much higher than GSP. So much higher. It's not even close. You know what happened to Matt Hughes in his prime right now in the UFC? He get fucking annihilated. All those guys. What, remember when Johnny Hendricks, some would say, and GSP's my straight up friend. Remember when Johnny Hendricks basically beat GSP? You remember that? And they gave it to GSP? Remember that? Yep. You know, oh, oh, you think Johnny Hendricks would beat Kamar Usman? How? Go. How? What would he do? That big overhand left? No, come on. Is he going to out-wrestle him? No. No. How's he going to beat him? Better cardio? Fuck no. How would he beat him? Kamar Usman wiped the fucking flo floor with a vintage Johnny Hendricks. It's just it's just the way it's just the way it goes, man. These guys are bigger, better versions of those guys back in the day. They're just better at everything. There's more science into it. They're more professional. They have stronger camps, better coaches, better access to training. Everything's better. 
Kamar Usman would beat the fuck out of GSP in his prime. And you guys got to get on board, man. You got to get on board. What he's doing is insane. And you're going to miss it because you're because you're you're haters. You're going to miss it. You got these blinders on. You're living back in the day. You got these fucking blinders on. Kamal Usman is the best welterweight of all time. Get on the train now. W-O-W, whoops, misspell. W-R-O-N-G. Shab is usually right, but not with me. That's right. Brendan freaking Shab is wrong, wrong, wrong. He thinks that George St. Pierre is not the greatest welterweight in the UFC of all time. That is not only. No, it, it is just idiotic and it's uh, clickbait and it's hot takey and it's pod shot talking. It's not the mixed martial artist and friend of GSP talking. This is. Shab trying to get everybody's attention and you got mine, you son of a bitch. But this is hot takey. This is uh, just spewed from nowhere. This is him trying to stir the pot. Kamara Usman has been a UFC champion for less than half of the time that George St. Pierre has been a UFC champion. Kamara Usman has five title wins. GSP has 12. Okay. So what do those stats mean? They mean nothing. It doesn't mean anything that GSP has seven more title wins than Kamaru Usman. No, it doesn't matter. Nick Diaz doesn't matter. A 30-year-old Nick Diaz does not matter. You know, a 36-year-old repeat fight, Jorge Masvidal. I'm speaking of matters more than Nick Diaz at 30. Okay. A fighter that he trained with in Gilbert Burns, who caught a hot streak that kind of jumped the gun to get a title fight. Okay. Former teammate of Kamaru Usman. Okay. Colby Covington. He has beaten who? Woodley. I thought you guys are all saying Woodley's washed up. Rafael Dos Anjos. Okay, okay. Everybody's beaten uh, the former lightweight champ uh, every now and again in Dos Anjos. RDA, to be short. And you're going to tell me that Tyron Woodley, Colby, RDA, Jorge Twice, Gilbert Burns is better than Nick Diaz, Josh Koscheck, BJ Penn, Carlos Condon, steroided up, whatever you want to call it, pre-steakhouse restaurant owning Johnny Hendricks. Matt Hughes twice, the second greatest UFC welterweight of all time. So you're comparing resumes. Okay. And then Shab wants to completely say that if we take a fighter from 10 years ago, we put him against now, the odds are the fighter today is going to win. Okay. So nobody in the baseball 1960s can survive with the athlete of today in baseball. We'll take baseball, for example, because of how long it's been around and how close to the game it stayed. Bob Gibson, who pitched a 1-5 or 1-6 ERA for the St. Louis Cardinals, Bob Gibson wouldn't be able to hang today. I mean, even if he's throwing 95, 96, that's still pretty good, and I'm sure he's locating. Not getting a hit and not scoring a run is not getting a hit and not scoring a run in any era. 
Nolan Ryan, who they say throws 97, 98, who threw seven no-hitters in the 70s and the 80s. Nolan Ryan couldn't survive with the athlete of today. So 10 years in MMA is, what, 70 years in MLB? This is what Chab is trying to say. Now, I know the sport has grown so much in 26 or 28 years. Excuse, excuse me. But is it fair to say that we might be hitting a plateau point? There's still this huge tidal wave that is building in the distance. That is the elite athlete who is mentally sharp, of course, because that is the most important tool when it comes to mixed martial arts. Not only the physical prowess of a fighter, but the mental prowess of a fighter. And Shab is completely discrediting the mental prowess of a fighter. So now that he hears that GSP is probably not coming back and he hears the interview with George St. Pierre on his uh, his boys podcast, Joe Rogan and George St. Pierre says, I have fully hung up the the gloves. I will not be coming back. Uh, then I wait uh, a few and uh, I did not get the fight. So I will retire. Uh, that is it for my career. That's what Shab just heard. And now he's jumping on that GSP can't fight through errors. Okay, so what error is Michael Bisbing from? Okay. He was an older champion. Maybe he's from the same era as GSP. Uh, have you seen GSP's Instagram? He looks freaking phenomenal. I don't go on Instagram much. And when I do, stay thirsty. I saw George St. Pierre doing some karate tornado kicks, and the dude is freaking shredded. 40 years old, just turned, I believe, three days ago. The dude is freaking shredded. He's in much better shape than Khabib is right now. Uh, I, I guarantee you Khabib weighs more than George St. Pierre right now. I think Khabib is probably pushing 195, 200. I think George St. Pierre is probably 180. And he trains every day. Martial arts is his lifestyle. He says it keeps him sane. It keeps his mind sharp, his body sharp. And Shab, because he heard that GSP is hanging up the boxing gloves and the wrestling shoes, he jumps on the the. What would it be? I, I guess the bullet point, he jumps on the opinion that George couldn't survive in today's MMA. That's not fair, and that's stupid. I'm sorry. That's not fair to your friend, and you would say former teammate. Now, this is Podshop I'm talking to. So F you, Podshop. And the name of this pod I wanted to call is the Two Sides of Shab. The one side is Podshop that is hot takey at times and a rotating door of chaos. It could be fun chaos, which we're about to get into and complete savant chaos, which we're also about to get to in the second side or the second half or the other sh uh, side of Shab. A lot of S's going on here. And I'm disappointed, Chubb, because he's not he's not melding the two worlds at a time when you hear his fight picks in below the belt. Which is the show of his that I'm mostly tuning to, because you get to hear the down to earth introvert of Shab, who once he gets the fight picks, he, he really tries to be honest and relaxed. And he mentions often. That he doesn't like to watch the fights in crowds. He mentions that he pops in and out when he's on the road. And that's probably because he's feeling more comfortable because he is the man. He is the dude. He is the pop star, the rock star, the, the man with the mic in Cali and L.A. And he's putting his foot down and say, Rogan, 
we ain't going to Texas, bruh. We're staying out here in L.A. No matter how hot it gets, no matter how many showers we don't take, no matter how much crap we don't pick up from our dogs, we staying out here, bruh. And I appreciate Shab for that. But he's dead freaking wrong. This is Hollywood speaking. This is not the man from Denver, Aurora, Denver, a guy who literally fought for his career, who literally fought to make a name for himself and then is still trying to win over naysayers and people who grab every clip he says uh, and spin it against him to make him look like a stunad and a complete putz. But I'm also here to show that Shab is a savant. And he's an extremely talented mixed martial arts broadcaster. I think people forgot what he was doing about four years ago for Showtime when he was basically getting the ball passed to him on every broadcast surrounding the Mayweather and McGregor super fight of all time and just dunking the ball, just showing what he's made out of. And it was impressive and it was cool. And honestly, he was in the best shape. I got to see him in person then and he's fluctuated since then, but he was sharp, man. He was toyed like a toyga. And it was cool to sit down with him. Uh, I've actually had the privilege and the honor to sit down with Mr. Shab three times face to face and uh, talk to the man. He is cool. He's, uh, he's sharp. He's one of the wittiest, uh, sharp on his feet people you will ever meet in your life. I've overheard conversations with coworkers who were just people that I associated with. And uh, his name was the priest at the uh, the station. Uh, me and the priests were very tight. Not that tight, you weirdos. But when Shab, uh, when I was uh, welcoming Shab into the studio, the priest uh, saw that this guy's young, sharp leather jacket, slick back hair, well-built, I like this guy. I'm sure that Ike is not talking to schlubs. Um, just so many S's in this podcast. And uh, he was right. Shab is one of the slickest, smartest, coolest, most passionate broadcasters out there and has an unbelievable work ethic. And I believe his athletic background has helped him push to where he is. Now, uh, Rogan talks about it, that he notices the difference in somebody who has an athletic background who just shifts mental gears into something different, whether it's behind the desk, whether it's running a company, whether it's running a school, whatever. If you have that athletic focus and you've achieved success with that focus, you can apply it to anything in your life. And Shab has. He's played in the NFL for 30 minutes. He's been a successful UFC fighter facing supreme competition, hanging in there with supreme competition, succeeding, thriving in firefights, as I mentioned earlier, with heavyweight MMA. And he's coming out the other end of it, and he's, I think, 10 times more successful than his fighting career. And it's sad that the UFC doesn't have him connected to the broadcast. I love Ariel Hawani and Chel Sonnen, Daniel Cormier, Mark Romandi, uh, Phil Murphy, Brett Akimoto, um, uh, Jeff Wagenheim, all the ESPN media members, but they're missing, they're missing the Michelin man when he's not training. They're missing Brendan Schaub. And that's it. If he lands on ESPN, it's going to be beautiful relationship and, He's not only going to be talking MMA, he might be sitting across from a Stephen A. Smith or a Max Kellerman or who knows, doing full-time radio. God bless him. The man can do anything. He works hard. He's smart. And he, he has a plan. 
He's not a schemer. I just seen the Dark Knight. Uh, I, again, I, I'm a crazy consumer now. Nowadays, uh, nowadays, I'm changing wardrobes. I'm buying movies, watching movies, uh, and I'm uh, I'm living life, baby. And uh, I'm very thankful, and I'm very blessed, and uh, feel very good. And I I will do good as much as you guys may hate me on Twitter and on podcasts. I promise you. I'm a good guy. I mean well, and I just want to put a smile on that face of yours. So that's all I'm trying to do. Uh, the second clip of Brendan Schaub is uh, the second side of Brendan Schaub, and he just absolutely knocks it out of the ballpark, people. For a let me preface this clip and not just throw it at you guys. Yuri Prohaska is one of the up-and-coming stars in the UFC. Good-looking, fights well, style is unbelievable. I thought he was like a Chuck Liddell, but Brendan Schaub nailed exactly who this young freaking lion in the light heavyweight division that is looking for a star post-John Jones. And this guy, Yuri Prohaska, could be the guy and Brendan Schaub freaking hit it out of the ballpark, who he reminds him of. Yuri versus uh, the Polish champ is an uh, amazing fight. Yeah, Yuri's my favorite light heavyweight fighter by far, hands down. He's yeah. so entertaining. And I see a lot of people saying, oh, he's like you know Dominic Cruz or he's like Tony Ferguson. Yeah, I to me, I get a lot of, when I watch him, I get a lot of, Reminiscent, I get a lot of memories from uh, vintage Tony Ferguson. Hands down, can take a shot. Obviously, he doesn't have the grappling capabilities and the Darces and the Anacondas, but as far as his movement on the feet and just that warrior passion, that's what I get out of Yuri. He's a big-ass version of Tony Ferguson. Did I just play clips of the same people? No. No, I did not, people. It may sound the same, Shab, but is not the same Shab. So you have Pod Shab, the first clip, Usman being the goat. Get it should be more GTFO. The get the out of here, goat. And then you have the introvert MMA media savant that you just heard. Yuri Prohaska is Tony Ferguson, the bigger version. Holy smokes, he friggin' nailed it. Hands down, takes the shot, gives a shot, looking for chaos. Yes, does not have the grappling abilities as a one El Kukui Tony Ferguson, but Yuri Prohaska is highly sellable, is a freaking marauding, March down, knock you out type of fighter. I believe he has a 10 fight finish streak. He is 28 and three. He has finished 25 out of 28 opponents. Hello, the next UFC freaking superstar. If he knocks out one Polish power panda, whatever. Jan Blahovitz. The man who has now knocked out Dom Reyes, Corey Anderson, and who has halted the hype train that is one chicka 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 choo choo Israel, the last style bender, Adesanya. If Yuri gets past the Polish panda, he will be the UFC's. Is it the first superstar? No, I would say. Who's the first superstar in the ESPN era? So Con there's the Conor McGregor era, which is the previous era. You could say 2015 to 2020. Uh, you could go from the uh, Dennis Seaver fight to all the way up to the uh, his last win against Donald Cowboy Cerrone, UFC 246, last January 2020, before all this craziness. Uh, 
Uh, and then there's videos of Connor drinking his whiskey in a nightclub surrounded by his posse, as them white people like to do, surround themselves in posses. Um, yeah, it looking back, that video is kind of nostalgic in that he, he's surrounded by people and just free as a bird. Probably sharing the bottle with people, sharing a cigar with people, sharing other things with people. It's crazy looking back. But yeah, I think the Conor McGregor era is 2015 to 2020. And the ESPN era just started in 2019. We are now in the uh, inside the third year. That is the ESPN and UFC deal. I believe it's seven years, so we have five left people. Or four and two-thirds. Or no, uh, almost four and a half, actually. We're almost at the halfway point of this year. And with the warm weather, bring on the fun. So who is the first UFC star in the ESPN era? Not Darren Till. Not Brian Ortega. Max Holloway, man. He he's everybody still loves him. He is one and two in his last three fights. And people still love him. He was on the first UFC on ESPN card. Uh, excuse me, first UFC on ABC card. Big ABC, channel seven for New York. Max Holloway was there. Main event, Calvin Cater. Hell of a main event. Holy smokes. I, I believe he set the UFC strike record for a main event five-round fight. Holy moly. Who knows if it will ever be broken again. But Max Holloway is not the first superstar in the ESPN era. He could be. He could be. He's still very young. I believe he's 28 or 29. He's extremely young. Could it be Israel Asanya? He's close. He's close. He's close. If he beat Jan Glahovic, two-division champion, and secures that fight with John freaking Jones in Raider Stadium, what Izzy wants to do. Holy moly. Yeah, he, he would be the superstar. He was that close. He was that close. He was that close. Ah, oh, man. I don't know. Could it be Robert Whitaker? And Izzy, if they have a awesome second fight or if Whitaker knocks out Izzy and then it's, oh, snap, it's one apiece. We got to see the trilogy and it's a crazy trilogy. Yeah, they both could be co-stars. Batman and Superman. Um, they could be. I can't wait for the next star. It could be next year. It could be at the end of this year. It could be in three years, four years. It's going to happen inside the ESPN deal. It's a matter of time. Conor McGregor is not going to be the end-all, be-all for the next four and a half years of this UFC on ESPN deal. He is 33 years old. Uh, about to be in July, I believe. And he is going to be 37 and a half. I, he seems like more of a firework than more of a uh, a missile. A huge explosion that is the finale of the Macy's 4th of July firework extravaganza. That's him. He's the one that sets the tone for the summer. And he's a hell of a show and a showman, of course. And obviously an excellent mixed martial artist. And you guys are idiots if you don't see him in the top 10, top seven, potentially top five greatest mixed martial arts fighter of all time. If you're not putting him there, you're just. Cuckoo, cuckoo, cuckoo. Silliness. But I mean. Is he going to be the Muhammad Ali? Is he going to last for another four and a half years and just maybe even help secure the second side uh, or an extension, another extension of this UFC on ESPN deal? Maybe. 
It could be him. I don't know. I don't know. Muhammad Ali had a long career and had many foes at the beginning, whether it was fighting for his civil rights, whether it was fighting monsters like George Foreman and Joe Frazier, or whether it was just being a strong individual. Could McGregor be that figure? Maybe. I mean, I hope he doesn't have to face the adversity that Muhammad Ali does, but if that's the adversity that straightens McGregor and keeps him on the straight and narrow, so be it. You know, I believe he has that hero potential that he can change lives. I don't know if I've said this often. I've definitely said it, but Conor McGregor is the reason that I took my cage fight. I saw a confident guy who just wanted to speak a big word and match his physicality with those words. He wanted to show that he wasn't just talk. He could also walk the walk, be it the billionaire strut and the spaghetti arms. Again, just so many S's on this podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah, McGregor was inspiring and he drove me into that cage and gave me a lot of confidence, but he could not throw a punch for me that night in 2016. He could inspire me, but he didn't fight for me. I fought for myself uh, to prove to myself that my skills and my training was all worth it to prove to myself that I could do for one night what these amazing athletes, also known as fighters, do for a career just for one night. I just wanted to taste it. And it's scary. And with God's help and forces that be, wild forces of nature and the universe, I got out of that night pretty unscathed and uh, lived to talk about it it's a wild sport and it should be respected and i think everybody respects it i don't think everybody understands things uh, uh a movie cliche people are scared of the things they don't understand which is fair because that takes effort so i would say people are lazy i, I wouldn't say they're scared i'd just say they're lazy they don't want to take the time they don't want to expend any of their energy uh to learn new things and i i know i've uh, uh tried to jump on the shoulders of joe rogan to make a point but joe rogan is right if you want to really be good at something you have to focus at something and mcgregor showed the fight community that it's not about being the bully like a Ronda or a Brock Lesnar or just having unbelievable talent like a John Jones or a Chuck Liddell. But it's about believing in yourself, about believing in the message and what you want to do like a Hoist Gracie. I don't know if people know the story. Hoist Gracie weighed 165 pounds, the UFC's first and second UFC champion, I believe. Obviously, he's the first one. I'm pretty sure he was the first and second, or maybe he was the first and third, something like that. He, he was a multiple-time UFC champion. But he also weighed 165 pounds. I weigh more than him. I believe I'm stronger than Hoist Gracie. But why was the smaller, probably not the best Hoist Gracie put in that position and again, I respect the crap out of the Gracie family. If you guys listen to the Mind, Body, Soul podcast, which is a lot slower than this, a lot less pizzazz than the main Iktagon podcast, the new intro production of the Iktagon, uh, excuse me, Mind, Body, Soul podcast is UFC 1, where Hoist Gracie is implementing his beautiful Brazilian jiu-jitsu. 
And there's a reason why I picked Hoist. Not only because of the history and the round, beautiful number of one, is because he changed the game forever. <laughs> Another Joker line. I think he says, uh, "You've changed things forever." Yeah, some, some, something like that. It, it was a great scene. I watched the. I don't know how I ever watched. Two and a half hour, three movies in one sitting. Lord of the Rings, freaking uh, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. I don't know how I've watched those movies in one sitting. I actually like now to watch two and a half movies and uh, two and a half hour plus movies in multiple sittings. So uh, I knew when to watch the Dark Knight and just uh, it was just complete chaos in the first couple acts of the dark night with the joker running rampant and then uh, i took a couple of days off because man it's a powerful film if you just really focus on the dialogue and the message and the just the portrayal that uh heath ledger puts out there and, and the fear that he inserts into gotham city and then i stepped back and then i i knew the hero because i've seen this movie before again i'm just really focused now and I watched the final couple of acts. I don't know if you can have more than three acts in a movie. If you do, this movie was two and two. Two up in the air. Three kind of less up in the air. Four, we're going to find out what happens here. And in the end, we find out that the Dark Knight saves the day. And he sends a message by saving the image that is Harvey Dent. And the Gracie family wanted to save the message that is Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and show the world that they are the greatest martial art by not putting out the biggest fighter. Again, Hoist Gracie, 165 pounds. This is a open weight no holds bar tournament that is ufc one in 1993 in denver because everything starts in denver you're allowed to do everything you can drink a coffee without a lid in denver seriously things are that chaotic in denver so no coffee with lids groin shots eye pokes hair pulling elbows to the top of the head Unlimited match times. That is UFC one in Denver. I don't know if those are the exact rules, but something like that. And the Gracie family could have sent out a 200 pound Hickson Gracie or somebody who has bigger, a bigger frame than hoist, but they, they sent out the smaller hoist because they sent the message that they don't need the biggest guy. It's about technique and skill, something that Bruce Lee also was trying to show the world. And who knows if the Gracie family behind the scenes knew that Hoist Gracie, I mean, I'm sure they knew that he's an absolute stud of a character. I'm talking about someone who's just sheer who can bear the weight of being a champion while also walk in the shoes of somebody who is not hoist who I had the privilege of shaking his hand and taking a picture with too shy to ask for an interview, but hoist who I had the privilege of interacting with at a Bellator press conference. I believe it was, Chael Sonnen was there. Phil Davis was there. I think it was for the New York card, the first Bellator card in 2017. But Hoist was just chilling in like some polo that he found in his trunk and some jeans that he probably borrowed and flip-flops in the middle of, I think it was, it was very warm out. And Hoist was just chilling there. This is the man who helped shape the future 
of mixed martial arts and he's just hanging out there being cool maybe smoked a joint in the uh Times square and then walked up the viacom studios uh and uh viacom hallways and just enjoying life and very humble and calm and you got to respect it because he's earned it and he's been through a war to get to where he is so i'm sure the gracie family knew what they were doing by not only inserting a an assassin mixed martial artist but somebody who can carry the weight of being a champion down the road and he has and he is a stand-up person think about it if you saw a, I mean, at this point, we are not surprised when it comes to John Jones and Conor McGregor and Brock Lesnar effing up uh, in their personal lives that rolls over into their career. But if you saw an article with Hoist Gracie has a sexual assault allegation from one of the students in the schools, I mean, that would not be good. And that would not help the image of jujitsu. And that would disgrace the Gracie family. And they would have to kill him like a samurai. No, I actually just started watching the uh, Age of Samurais on uh, Netflix, and I'm going to, I think I'm going to do Age of Samurai Companions because it, it, the show is better than I thought. Again, I'm consuming content and changing my wardrobe, people. How many times are I going to tell you I'm relaxing? I swear I'm relaxing. I think I'm going to do a companion for the uh, content that I watch. Age of Samurai. It's pretty cool. They do a lot of reenactments with samurais and they have a lot of historians, which seem they know what they're talking about. I don't know. My sister could be a historian at this point. Who knows? Uh, if you study Wikipedia enough, you might be able to be a historian. But they speak well. They sound good. The show looks good. They name some cities I've never heard of and they uh, pronounce Japanese traditional names awesome so i'm in and you guys should check it out too age of samurai on netflix so i'm probably gonna do watch companions i think it's hour-long episode so maybe once a week and uh, i'll start from episode one i just finished episode one so i'll restart it and i know what happened so i can flow into commentary a lot better but going forward i will comment as i see and you will be getting the live reaction of my watch companion. But anyway, Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, Conor McGregor, faces of mixed martial arts and faces that have changed martial arts forever. But who is the next superstar in the ESPN era? Is it Yuri Prohaska? Brendan Schaub's on board. I'm on board. I respect Schaub. He's a smart dude. Uh, Great guy. Sat down with him multiple times. Can't speak highly enough of him. I actually hurt his feelings once because uh, uh, it's sad, man. It, don't be fooled by the big people. Big people are people, too. You know, just because they're bigger doesn't mean you have to hit them harder. They they hurt just like you and me, big people. And Shab was very sensitive that I went after somebody that he likes. And I don't know when I'm going to unveil that. I've been blocked by, I've been blocked by somebody I mentioned on this podcast, but uh, the person I'm referring to, um, not Shab. I have not been blocked by Shab, and I don't plan to be. I believe he understands the game that we're all in, and the message that we're trying to get across. And he, he respects me. I mean, I think I made him laugh. I mean, you got to like somebody that makes you laugh, right? I mean, people will go 50 years of marriage for somebody that they like laughing with. So give me that, people. Um, yeah, uh, Shab's a cool guy. Hot take, dead wrong, way off with the George St. Pierre not being the GOAT. GTFO with that take. Usman is not the welterweight GOAT. He could be the UFC pound for pound right now for a minute until John Jones gets back in the USADA or John Jones returns to the UFC. Who knows? Whenever that is, he goes back to the ladder. Whenever he's reinstated into the pound for pound, but sure, it could be, you know, let's forget about him. Uh, Henry Cejudo, let's forget about him. Kamaru Usman is the number one pound for pound fighter of all time. 
that's what Brennan Schaub's gonna say next week. And the producer gonna be like, dude, stop. I don't know anything about this sport, but that's not true. <laughs> Shut up. I'll I'll I'm not taking you to Taco Rio for lunch. Dude, Taco Rio fight uh food truck is like infested with diarrhea. That's why they call it Taco Rio. They literally put diarrhea, they fart on your taco. And air doesn't just come out a saucy mixture of tacos and crap go out into burrito and you eat the taqueria. Well, it, it got a great score. And well, you're not invited. I'm going to invite Sean O'Malley and Logan Paul. That is pod Shab speaking. That is not the guy who's been in the trenches, who is a golden gloves champion, who's at least, I believe, a purple belt in jujitsu and who's knocked out some great UFC fighters in his day. Um, that is not Brendan Schaub. That's Pod Schaub. Okay? That's Pod Schaub. I respect it all. I mean, everybody's got their dark signs, I guess, or their dark nights, and everybody's got their white sides to themselves. Well, we got to break that stereotype that dark is bad, white is good, get out of the darkness. I mean, the at night could be scared. Well, people's got to have uh got to stop just being naive. Open their mind. Let new people into your life. Trust. Relax. Please. Life is good. Believe that life is good and life will get better. And then life is great. Believe that life is great and life will get better. Then life is excellent. And so on and so on and so on. So everybody be cool. That's the positive message. New production. Always churning out. We're getting bigger slowly but surely. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy the content. I uh, will do a mind, body, soul on Charles Oliveira very, very soon. The newest crowned UFC lightweight champion. Congrats, Charles. Better luck next time, Michael Chandler. I'm sure I'm going to really deep dive and recap that main event fight. Man, I had a crazy watch experience with that fight. But... Until next time, people, it's your boy, Ike Feldman. Follow me everywhere. I-K-E, Ike Tagon, T-A-G-O-N.com. At Ike Tagon. Hit me up. Call me, 646-820-9848. Give me a call, people. Let me know what's on your mind. Leave a voicemail. You'll hear the voicemail. If I, the show's not live, ooh, did I spoil something? If I don't answer, you called at the wrong time, but that's fine. I'll replay your voicemail. I'm going to start replaying some voicemails. But again, 646-820-9848. Give me a call. Let me know what you're thinking. Please, people. I'm tired of getting calls from my mother. Telling me that I need to call her more. I don't even know how she got the hotline number to the show, but she has found a way. And uh, I love my mother. She is a good sport about everything. And uh, maybe I'll play a voicemail from her. Till next time. It'll be soon. Don't worry, people. Uh, I'll probably recap the Cody Garbrandt, Rob Font fight night card. Oh, who's going to win? Who's going to win? Rob Font and Cody Garbrandt? I don't know. I don't know. Great boxing, elite boxing in MMA. And Rob Font, the Boston kid, and Cody Garbrandt, the Ohio kid, who then transported out to Team Alpha Male in Cali, bro, and Sacramento, Sacktown, and who then came back to New Jersey. Hey, you effing with me? You talking to me? And grew out the hair. It's called Gabagol. Uh, Cody Garbrandt. Uh, he has not blocked me on Twitter. He actually followed me. And uh, Rob Font, I got to interview him 
a couple years ago and got to sit next to his family when he who did he beat it was at td garden ufc 220 stipe miocic uh francis and won won uh, the first fight um that's what i meant by one not two uh who did rob font fight that night i forget maybe jimmy rivera i'm not sure Maybe Thomas Almeida. Maybe. Not sure. But anyway, the the fights are going to be great this weekend. It's it's a pretty fun card and it's early. Thank goodness. So I'm getting my day drinking on. And uh, yeah, I'll I'll give you guys a short recap the next week. So I hope you guys enjoyed these episode of the Ike the Gun and uh, I will work on my George St. Pierre accent and uh till next time folks Peace. without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.